happy day. Friday. Well, it may not be Friday when I was saying it's Friday when we're recording. So. Oh, yeah. Look, you're so smart, guys. Just like happy. Have a, I hope you're having a great day so far. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, so let's get right into it. We're this week in beauty, if you can call it that. If you, <laughs> we, okay, so some people may have heard, some people may not have heard that Sweden. That's the spray tan, a spray tan company in Sweden have, oof, they have taken spray tanning to a new racially offensive level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, leave it to your up to up the ante. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're wondering <laughs> what's like, what's going what on? What do they do, Kat? What could these Swedish people Tell probably do. have done other than like drink hot cocoa on the slopes? Mm-hmm. This is. This is what you question. can go. That's exactly what I was asking. <laughs> um, so you can now be spray tan black, like my actual skin tone. There, it's they have new new colors called like black onyx or like something or something weird onyx. That's the only way I remember. And then something. Um, there's just like two new sprays where you can literally be like my shade. Or I don't know, Beyonce shade, Rihanna shade. And you can what do you white. think about that, Kat? Why oh, do you think that's so um, offensive? So blackface has been a thing and still is a thing. And <laughs> I mean you you can't be like you can't punish people for their blackness and then mm-hmm. try to match their skin tone and be like, Yeah, check out this tan. It's like, get the, like you, like people, Europeans and like Americans literally enslaved people because of they, because of their skin tone. Mm-hmm. Don't try to rock with it now. Like, yeah, we know we've known for centuries that black is cool. That's I mean, like we get why you guys are hating and want to enslave us. But like, mm. we get it. Black is cool. Would you change your mind if the people actually tanned in the sun that long? Because I have seen some people with some farmer's tans that look pretty dark. They're not, like, obviously, they're not, they're not as dark as, like, well, no, they're much darker they, than me. Yeah, I was going to I'm not that dark. Like, they're not dark as, like, actual black people. Mm-hmm. But they've been, like, I've seen some dark, dark, dark white people. Just from, like, being out in the sun all day? Yeah, from, like, working. Hmm. How do you feel I mean, about it? I feel that's like not so much by choice mm-hmm. as it is by I'm outside on this farm trying to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people in Sweden, in the snow, in the slopes, I don't know really what goes down in Sweden. Um, they're actively choosing to take 15 minutes, 20 minutes, however long it takes to spray tan out of their day to match the complexion. Mm-hmm. No work, like n- no tan no or no mm-hmm. sun needed, no work needed. It's just like they're making an active choice. I feel like if you're outside working in the sun, the hot southern sun all day, mm-hmm. you about to get dark. That's just what's going to happen. Kat, let's change our perspective. I feel like this is them <laughs> suffering from a melanin deficiency. Then why are they going to the they, sun? They can't tan at all. You know? <laughs> it's like they walk out into the sun and they burn. I feel kind of bad for them. They're like, oh, we're so jealous of these people of color who can walk out to the sun and soak up the rays. <laughs> we walk out into the sun and burn and get crispy because of the rays, you know. So they have just gone a little extreme yeah. because of their lack 
of tanning abilities. You gotta feel <laughs> sad for him a little bit. You know, you gotta feel bad for him. I mean, I would if I. You're even with slavery. I mean, look, <laughs> look. They was probably enslaving people, burning. They were burning as they were enslaving people because yeah. they could not soak in the sun. Yeah. I, I don't understand. This probably helps our people. This is, can I tell you why? Can I tell you why? <laughs> Go ahead. Because they probably were enslaving people because they couldn't be in the sun. But now maybe this will help them. Then why not move to Africa? Look, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> I don't have all the answers. Well, so you're based on your argument, mm-hmm. putting on some artificial chemicals on their mm-hmm. skin is going to make it easier for them to soak in melanin. I'm not sure. <laughs> I like, don't have a degree in chemistry, <laughs> science, biology, anything. Because, like, I just don't. I don't think it works that way. Real talk, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, but I do think it's different from blackface. How so? So I do think it's ridiculous, but I think it's, I think it's different. I mean, and I'm not sure if it's appropriation because with blackface, I see it as literally painting your skin darker in order to put on a performance in yeah. order to, to make a caricature out mm-hmm. of something with like wearing clothing from a certain like a very specific culture mm-hmm. it's like you can pinpoint like here's the culture you're literally taking this from mm-hmm. and it's more of a like mocking yeah with skin with skin color i i see it as a little like why do you want to go that dark mm-hmm. i think it's a little odd but because I feel like so much of the world is made up of people of color, it seems more like their action seems to come more out of a desire just to be darker mm-hmm. and not necessarily out of a desire to mock or to be hateful. Yeah. I will also say that I feel like in some of the pictures, like it just looks a little odd to me because it's just like your feet like your facial features don't match the color of your skin yes and so it's just so odd to look at it and so that's why i'm like i don't understand why you want to be that dark but so in that way i'm kind of like i don't consider it to be like blackface or appropriation but i will say that i do kind of put it on the same category of if i if i were to see this happening like really start to happening in the united states my question would be why do you want to like even down to your skin tone look Mm -hmm. like an african-american but you're not willing to like develop deep relationships with them Mm -hmm. you're not willing to like actually get to know them as human beings fight for their rights so it does like start to make those those questions go off in my head but i don't equate it i think to dress or like blackface um okay i agree with you i still think it's odd it no it's it's definitely unusual but like i i think you're definitely right it just looks like they got burned. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just looks so weird. I mean, to each his own, I guess. As long as you're not out there being a freaking minstrel, I guess tan your skin up. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the difference in white people getting these extreme tans and people of color bleaching their skin. 
I like, did. Obviously there's a lot of power yeah. dynamics. But. I, I, for a second, I did think when I was reading the story about them tanning their skins, I was like, in my head, I was just like, man, and they're so, like in every single country that's predominantly people of color, you can find skin lightening products mm-hmm. easily. You go to like hair weave websites, comes like they have a special page for skin lightening products. Um, it's it's like I don't know what to think about it because I don't, whiteness is a standard of beauty, but then mm-hmm. so frequently like white people are just like, man, I need a tan, mm-hmm. and it's it's almost like this kind of like medieval standard of beauty because like last time like white people really wanted to be truly pale was mm-hmm. like way back in like medieval England where that was a part of beauty because that means you're not a laborer out in the sun mm-hmm. and I guess that kind of could really mean for any culture like mm-hmm. it's about status like lighter skin is about status it mm-hmm. shows that you're not out in the fields you're not working whether it be rural China the mm-hmm. I have somewhere in the UK fields of Africa like whereas now I feel like in the western world mm-hmm. If you're pale, I think that kind of symbolizes that you don't live a life of leisure because you're sitting inside all day. Yeah. And if you're tan, that means you are living a life of leisure because you are like being able to enjoy the sun, which unless you are a farmer or like work outdoors doing something, you're just not going to be like (laughs) tanned year round. (laughs) That's so interesting. Westerners and their vacationing and how it plays into wanting tans. Yeah. And then uh, like, so that's just like kind of the historical perspective, but I think modern day, like us wanting to lie in our skin mm-hmm. is just not, I mean, not us specifically because I, do that. I love a good tan. I'm white anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's more about being the, being, belonging to societal beauty, mm-hmm. um, which, which we're told is like the blonde hair, blue eyed California, bombshell of a girl um with straight hair and a slim figure but somehow still has like big boobs and a big butt and like that's like the closer we get our complexion and i think that's like why like some women of color wear colored contacts mm-hmm. and lighten their skin wear straight weaves to get closer to that ideal of american beauty I think I would agree. And I think that the desire of where like skin lightening versus darkening your skin come from comes from is different to me. It feels like if you have the desire to lighten your skin more times than not, it it seems to be coming from a pressure. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing that because you know, you, you quote cannot be beautiful unless you do something. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be a lot of like fear, pressure and like in some way self-hatred that is coming out of lightening your skin whereas people who are white who are darkening their skin it's kind of like oh i'm already the standard of beauty right i have this freedom in such a way that i'm already beautiful and then i can do other things to kind of change myself in order to be beautiful in like different culture groups or just like be like eff it i'm gonna take that from you because I already feel beautiful, but I want to feel even more beautiful. And then I'm going to claim it. <laughs> so I feel powerful. It's like, whoa, calm yourself. Calm yourself. It looks like somebody spilled cocoa on you and it dried. <laughs> oh, these people. These people. 
Um, well, I mean, we kind of already started talking about like people of color. So let's keep on doing that. Um, in today's episode, we really want to, Misha and I heard this really interesting, awesome um, clip from Tim Wise, who is a um, anti, so he's an anti-racist activist. He's also an author. Um, he's done six books. His he is very he has a very approachable way of like mm-hmm. explaining racism and classism and the power dynamics that it's created so we're gonna play a clip from one of his speeches and then after that we're gonna get into a little talk about Ooh, uh, we gonna talk about it well yeah we're gonna yeah don't let them know yet don't let okay them know it'll be a surprise <laughs> working-class white people that their problem is brown people. We need to understand the historical pedigree of that. That is symbolic of the entire history of race and class politics in America. The history of rich white people telling working-class and poor white people that their problem are black and brown people. So beginning in the 1600s, that is what happens. Prior to about 1670 or so, there was no such thing as the white race, at least not recognized as such, called as such. That is not what people of European descent were when they were in Europe. They were English, they were Irish, they were Scottish, they were whatever they were. They were not white. Only in the colonies do we become white, and for a very specific reason, because in those early years of the colonial period, where you had white indentured servants, one level above enslaved themselves, and you had African-descended folks, some of them enslaved for life, others indentured servants also in the earliest years of the colonies, those people would often see their interests as being common. They all realized that they were being screwed over by the same landowners, the same elite. They fomented various rebellions like Bacon's Rebellion in Virginia, others as well. And as a result, the elite in the colonies realized that they had to figure out a way to get the other folks from Europe on their team. So they created this mentality that said, you're now a member of the white race. You're on our team. You're, you're wearing our uniform. Now you're at the end of the bench. You may not get in the game, but you're on our team, you see. So then they start putting white folks now called on the slave patrols, right? Didn't really give them any land or any real power except the power to control people of color, which is why folks of color say, and they are right, that modern policing traces to the system of slave patrols and slavery. And we have to be clear on that because that's the history. Right. So whiteness was created to divide and conquer, to create the notion that even though you might not have much, at least you're not black, at least you're not indigenous, at least you're not Mexican, at least you're not Chinese working on the railroads to build the transcontinental economy. You may not have much, but at least you have, as W.E.B. Du Bois said, the psychological wage of whiteness. And it's a trick that was played during the Civil War era on my people in the South. Right. Rich folk, landowners in the South telling poor white folks who didn't own anything that they got to go out and fight to preserve the rich man's property in human beings. Fascinating. Why would you do that? Why would I go fight for your property? Well, because you told me that if I don't, these slaves are going to take my job. No fool, they got your job. That's the point. If you got to charge a dollar a day and you can make them work for free because you own them, guess who got the gig, Jack? Not you. So, in fact, the system of enslavement was in the long run against the class interest of working class white folks, but they got suckered. Same thing happened in the union movement. You had white labor union folks that didn't want black and brown bodies in their union because it would reduce the professionalism of the craft. No fool, it'll double the size of your union. 
And then when you go out on strike, then when you go out on strike, they can't replace your happy ass with the brown folk that you didn't want next to you in the first place. Because when they do replace you with them, then you will blame them, not the elite. See how that works? It's a trick. And it has worked for hundreds of years. It is working on some folk right now. And it is our job to resist that with every fiber of our being. Um, can I get an amen? Are you on? Are you on? That's how I do amens. I like, he's like a man after my own heart using socio historical perspective to explain current day. Yes, I'm so excited to talk about this. Okay, so like, what, what in like that three ish minute um, segment did you, what really struck you about that? I, okay, what I think strikes me most about it is I think when we think about racism today, we think, at least the people I talk to from home, think more of it as just like a color of skin thing. But I think that what he really touches on and what I think is more of the case is how much of a combination between like the actual skin tone and power there is. Like it's not just, oh, this person is darker than you. You know, historically, black people have not been the only people who have been slaves. But there have been people in power that have enslaved people of a lot of different races. And so to think about the way in which white people in power are able to to talk to other white people who have nothing Mm -hmm. and say, you know, we look alike. These people look completely different from us. You're on our side. Help us to enslave these like animals, basically. And it's able to give those poor white people the ability to feel ownership and feel included in a group of people Mm -hmm. and it makes them feel like they have a like a little piece of power even when in their own race or ethnic group they're powerless as well so for me i think that was the the biggest thing was kind of pointing out how people in power have the ability to just like change minds like change movements and how vulnerable a lot of the other people are I'm not saying they're innocent because ultimately people are people. And like, if you're going to like go whip somebody and enslave them, like that's your fault. But man, I, what was it? What was the big thing for you? I, I love the, the way that he discussed the creation of whiteness in America. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, like you said, back in Europe, you're, you're Irish or English or French or et cetera, therefore, and so on. Um, But then in America, like, so there's like this level assimilation. Assimilation in America is, I think, unlike any other country, Mm -hmm. because as people continue to immigrate here, so, like, let's say when the Germans immigrated, they were discriminated against. It's just like, we don't, you know, we don't want you German people. And then they quickly became assimilated into the culture. And then the Italians came and then the Irish came. And they're just like, each time white people who have been established here were like kind of pushed back and just like treated them as like a minority until they realized their strength in numbers. And, like, by bringing everyone into this fold of whiteness and, like, Mm -hmm. the um, Industrial Revolution where there are more factory workers Mm -hmm. and um, the establishment of unions, Mm -hmm. by bringing bringing these people on your side through 
the so-called unity of whiteness Mm -hmm. you like you gather strength in numbers and you like you keep from like you keep rebelling you keep a rebellion under control by creating an other Mm -hmm. uh, someone to blame and i think that like the reason that this is so poignant to today is like Mm -hmm. it's 100 percent what donald trump is doing Mm -hmm. it's like uh, his main supporters are these working class and poor Mm -hmm. whites who are just like this black man took our country Mm -hmm. and there are muslims everywhere Mm -hmm. and there are mexicans (laughs) crossing the border (laughs) and america's just not for americans anymore Mm -hmm. and it's just like well okay one unless you're native american right <laughs> and not american number one <laughs> like period point blank um america like true americans lost america when white people came over mm-hmm. on their damn boats mm-hmm. so you know eat shit um, <laughs> Woo! okay i, like, I just like hate that <laughs> argument i was just like well if we're gonna give it back to i'm like down to move if we're gonna give it back to like indigenous people of this land mm-hmm. I, i'll move i'll give them their country Yo, back Canada happily it's looking real nice i mean <laughs> the new prime minister what right oh my god you see him cuddling with um the pandas oh so cute i gotta send you a video so cute okay. it was so good anyway back to what you're saying yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's why like Trump, this he's using this exact same method to garner the support by creating this other as if this other is taking your job, this other is taking your land, this other <laughs> is the one that is your enemy. When really he's profiting, he's mm-hmm. f- proper profiting from the fear of working class whites, and it's it's been done before. <laughs> But it's remarkable that it continues to work. And it's just like, when will people unite Mm -hmm. within their class Mm -hmm. um, to realize that the the things that are are important to working class white people are important to working class Latino people, Mm -hmm. important to working class black people. And, And there's like, so like studies show people like to say that like race plays a really big factor in like education, but like studies show that a middle-class black person is going to get the same education or the same quality of education as a middle-class white person and will achieve in the same way. So people, so like achievement is really based more so on class than race. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. there'll be extra hurdles if you're a person of color, Mm -hmm. but truly it's about the end of the day is about the dollar bill and Mm -hmm. always will be. Mm -hmm. You calling people to unite across (laughs) lines of class. Look at you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's the start of movement. She sounds like Bernie Sanders. Y'all. Oh, <laughs> I did go. I did go to a Bernie rally. She sounds like Bernie. I'm a socialist. Uh, <laughs> Can you? So, there's one thing about the video I wish that was present, but I know you can't cover everything in the world in three minutes. Mm-hmm. Is I definitely think that the the idea of race or the issue of like whiteness came about as a way of, you know, dividing people. But I I think that religion and Christianity was also essential in creating this concept of race as well. Mm-hmm. So when, I was going to say when the United States was founded, aka when mm-hmm. the land was stolen, right? <laughs> and a lot of like priests were coming over, a lot mm-hmm. of missionaries were coming over, there wasn't really an a concept of like whiteness. It was a concept of, I'm from this country. I'm this type of Christian. Mm -hmm. And then especially when a lot of Native Americans and Africans began to be slaves, 
um, there's this whole idea that, you know, if you're baptized in Christ, you're free. And so many African slaves were like, okay, well, if we get baptized, that means we're free. You can't enslave us. And I think I was Googling this as you were talking. So I hope you don't think I was being rude. I think it's the Virginia house of Burgess 1619. I think that's what it is, Mm -hmm. but it's basically all these slave owners were like, look, we can't allow these slaves to become Christian because if they become Christian, then they're going to get baptized. And that means that they're going to be free. And so these people essentially were like, needed to create this idea of race in order to make sure that even if these people became Christian, they would not be free. So then they made this law saying what makes you enslaved is the color of your skin. It doesn't matter about your spirit. And so they essentially said, even if you accept Christ, if you become slaved, you're still going to be physically enslaved. And then they split the physical and the spiritual world to say, yes, now you are spiritually free. Your spirit is free, but your body is still enslaved. Oh, how messed up is that? To me, I'm like, can you not? Oh, it's so hurtful. I'm like. Can you not see that this is... Oh, I'm just going to be quiet because it pisses me off. <laughs> Every time I think about it, it pisses me off so bad. And like I sometimes I want to ask black Christians, I'm like, how? Right. How do you right. do it knowing that like... Right. Knowing this is the case. Anyway. No, that's That awful. was my one downfall. My one thing with the video because I was like, religion played such a role in... In these slave owners thinking about race and using it as a way to say, like, this is why you're enslaved. It's mm-hmm. because of, like, the color of your skin. Anyway, it pisses me off every time I think about it. Every um, time. It, <laughs> and, like, so something that I've also, like, while we're kind of still on class, mm-hmm. um, I think I'll, I've been thinking a lot about, like, especially after, like, Nancy Reagan's funeral, a lot about Reaganomics and how... Um, the income gap between like the one percent and the ninety nine percent, whereas it was pretty steady for decades on decades. And then when Reagan um implemented his economic policies, the income the wage gap skyrocketed mm. over the ever since like the eighties. It's just like it literally like if you see it on a chart, it literally looks like a rocket ship taking off. <laughs> it's like it's at, it's insane um and it's like so anyone who knows like reaganomics is the trickle down economy where you give like tax breaks and like money to the wealthy and it will trickle on down through the executives How and the managers to the associates um I, rich white people they don't, don't think know. about greed at all like <laughs> oh we gonna give the like, money it's gonna trickle down but that's okay. the big thing of the 80s like greed is good it was like the motto of the 80s it was also in some movie that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> wall street was a house party i think i think, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think of the movie is called wall street but it's just like that was the entire attitude of the 80s it's just like I'll get it while the getting's good. And then those policies just kind of stuck around through the 90s. I mean, Clinton didn't really do too much shit for it. I know he did, like, some shit, but not too much. And then, like, even, like, Obama can't kind of stop the the damage that Reaganomics created. Um, 
And so, like, I've, I've been thinking about that, and I was thinking about how, like, I have, like, this theory. Um, so, you guys may or may not know that Nancy Reagan died recently, and Hillary Clinton has been getting a lot of, like, uh, criticism for saying that, like, the Reagans brought the HIV crisis to the forefront of the <laughs> national conversation, which is, like, a bold-faced lie. Um, but I have a theory about this bold-faced lie. I think Hillary knew that this was a bold-faced lie. One, you can't speak ill of somebody, especially at their funeral. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta wait, like, a little bit after they die before you before you start shit-talking them. And at least two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, like, just go in hard at their funeral, like, let me tell you about these homophobic motherfuckers. Like, right. can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, like, more so... I like this is just my theory i think that hillary and and it was funny because i was thinking that's while i was listening to like the dan savage show recently and he was just like him and i have the same theory Mm because like as he was talking i was just like but dan she's trolling us all Mm -hmm. and then he said it and i was like yes we're on the same page hillary Hillary clinton is trolling us all because one the internet exists if you (laughs) like when you say something outrageous people are gonna know like oh hiv was like a thing in the very early 80s like 81 and they didn't really say shit till damn near 87 mm. that doesn't add up like thousands of and thousands of people had died before they actually said anything about it um and so the internet is gonna put nancy reagan on blast and ronald reagan on blast they don't need to fucking honor her death they don't have they can just the internet just talks shit immediately. You could you could have literally had your last heart beat this very second. The internet will start shitting on your grave. They do not care. And so it brings like... It brings Anonymous like, especially. That especially. would just be like, we're taking down... We're going to show all your files. You're right. like, Whoa, Anonymous. Here's the nude pics you sent. <laughs> when you were 14. Right. What? <laughs> uh, and it's just like... I, I it's I think that she did it. I think she did this on purpose because now everyone can be like, let's talk shit on the Reagan, say and do shit about HIV. By the way, let's also talk about Reaganomics and the one percent and fuck the Reagans. I'm glad like they're finally both of them are finally dead because they did nothing for this country other than He was in movies. Okay. So he did nothing for this country. <laughs> other than in make it super easy to imprison black people with like the implementation of the war on drugs like fuck you reagan's um creating this massive wage gap and deny and basically denying for four or five six smooth years that fucking hiv wasn't a crisis because it was only happening to gay men so hillary clinton i think i think she was just kind of being like Played a little joke on y'all. Dang. And why why did Hillary Clinton to speak? Because she is a presidential candidate and a former first lady. That's the only reason I can think of. That makes no sense. Who are they going to ask? Laura Bush? Who the fuck cares about what Laura Bush has to say? <laughs> but I mean, I guess it makes sense because like, she's so a Democrat. Con- it's so confusing <laughs> to me. I'm like, I still don't get why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's maybe she was playing the games maybe she just (laughs) didn't know maybe she really thought that was the case maybe she did really think it was the case i would like to believe that she's smart she she had been telling some lies 
Yeah. But all politicians tend to lie. I I don't know. Like, one, everything that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth is a lie. Two. I think he really believes it. (laughs) So that means, technically, I don't know if he's lying. I just don't think he's educated on the facts. Though it may be your truth, does not stop (laughs) it from being a lie. It might not be a universal truth, you know, but it's it's Donald Trump's truth. He's confident. I like him. (laughs) We've already talked about that. Confident, arrogant, whatever. <laughs> Orange. <laughs> Orange. What would you do if he got one of them, them Swedish or, or whatever, those tans? Those well, I guess, I guess instead of... So, I guess orange was really popular for tanning, but I guess black is the new orange instead of orange is the new black. <gasps> Look at you, cultural references. <laughs> Pop culture. What? Uh, you know, okay, sorry. I'm no. Sorry finish i also think the one thing that hurts the classes is this whole stupid american dream thing it Mm -hmm. makes no sense Mm -hmm. everybody thinks they're gonna be the next millionaire right and nobody understands that's probably not true (laughs) there's probably a 99.9 percent chance that's not gonna happen yeah if it does cool i'm really happy (laughs) for you but it's probably not all these politicians are always talking about the middle class. Middle class is middle class that. What, what about the, what, what about the poor people, the right. low, low living yeah. people who who are like constantly voting for these people because right. they're like, yeah, 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 middle class, and it's like, yo, but you ain't never gonna get to middle class. Shouldn't we be forming policies for you at the yeah. bottom? No, okay. I think that so, like when the middle class was kind of established after World War II, after the Great Depression. It's it was a realistic thing mm-hmm. that within a generation you could get to middle class. Mm-hmm. I think from like the late forties to the fifties, well not maybe not late forties, but like from the nineteen fifties to Reaganomics, mm-hmm. the middle class was a very, very real dream. And it could and it could really happen. I think that's like a lingering mentality mm-hmm. that, you know, you hear from your grandparents, you hear from your parents, because that's like kind of how we we're all taught and mm-hmm. raised. Is the American dream real? No. Mm-mm. Is can you uh, escape at least not poverty? Until Reagan. It was till Reagan <laughs> came around. Can you escape poverty in a generation? It's a shit ton harder now than it was thirty years ago. Mm. But I think it's a possibility. Um, if you're a if you are in any underrepresented group, then it's going to be harder. And I, I think that there are new ways to achieve the American dream. So like people are making like mad money from having YouTube videos. And I think technology and people are making apps that are widely successful and getting bought by like massive companies. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's like unrealistic to, but I say that the struggle is real, even though new technologies are affording options. But I, and that's also like tough to say because you don't have the resources when you're in a poor community to make YouTube videos with all like the new makeup and to create an app because you don't got a computer and you don't got internet. Like, I'm going to create this. But no, no, no. Okay. Like, so back to your, what you were saying. Yeah. It I, was, can I clarify? Yeah. So I don't think it's impossible to get to the middle class. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous that we're building policies Mm -hmm. with the mindset that everybody can equally get to the middle class. Yeah. Whereas in my head, I want to at least think like we build policies for the people who are most disadvantaged. And then you can kind of work up from there Mm -hmm. because 
then it's kind of like, okay, the people who are at the bottom are taken care of. Mm-hmm. And the people who are making like $900 million a year don't really need all of these go- this government assistance right. or anything. Right. Anyway, they're just worried I mean, about not getting half their money taxed. The, you know? people, the people who are getting the most welfare in this country are the rich, exactly. to be real. Um, so yeah, it kind of seems like we need trickle up economy. (laughs) (laughs) Give money to the poor and just see if they give it to you because you've been taking it from them for so long. Uh, Obama like kind of did that. Like, do you remember like in 2009 or whatever, his economic stimulus plan where he just Mm -hmm. sent like everybody a check, Mm -hmm. just like kind of amazing i totally forgot about it until i was like in an uber home from a bernie rally and Wait, they're i like, feel like i remember? got a check i might have been too young you were too young we were too young how old do you have to be to get that check i think at least 18 and working <sighs> yeah, or like I, like my mom got it how much they get it was like maybe 1300 dollars. it's better than nothing that's free money that, no girl. i was like what <laughs> That was a sound like, oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I would put that right back into the economy, Obama, if you gave me that. Maybe we should do that again. <laughs> Obama, I am old enough now to receive this check. check. Can you please send it my send, way? Send, send. I mean, your last, like, a good, it'd be a good farewell to your administration. Come, come go out the way you came in, giving people checks. Canada would do that. <laughs> they, they would. But that's like kind of so that's kind of like, I guess, like an example of trickle up economics where he just sent like all these American families, especially low income working class families, a check so that they can go out and buy like big screen TVs. And and like, honestly, like they were encouraged to spend on whatever they wanted to help stimulate the economy. Like, I love that. Yeah. Why? Because I think that people think that poor people should not be allowed autonomy they're like you're poor eat this way you're poor live this way you're poor do this it's like yo being poor does not mean you don't get to make your own life decisions and that just oh so i'm glad people were going out and buying big screen tv (laughs) you know they struggling if they want a little piece of glory let them have it it's like interesting that you said that because i was like watching something about like food deserts today and and the guy so like the, I think it was on like the Larry Wilmore show where um, this lady was talking about how a food desert is where you don't have like you can't get fruits and vegetables within a one mile range, mm-hmm. and and the dude's like that's ridiculous because he's like in the middle of New York City where you can like get everything. He's like okay, go to like Camden, New Jersey. He goes there. He has to like walk five miles to get like a f- tomato, mm-hmm. and when he stops at these corner stores, there's nothing but like high fructose like everything that's just everything on the shelves probably has like high mm-hmm. fructose syrup and like your daily serving of sodium and like one bag of chips or something mm-hmm. and and like he asks the dude like where's the where's the fresh fruits and vegetables and he's like oh well you know these people don't they don't want that they want like chips and cookies and juice and like mm-hmm. the you know the shit that gives you diabetes mm-hmm. and it's like that mentality where like poor and working class people aren't like they just think like oh you know they it's almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy because you you eat the shit because that's the only thing that's provided for you so people think that you want to eat the shit Mm -hmm. Ugh. okay well i will so i have two things to say the first is i was watching this like it was supposed to be a funny video but it just pissed me off like most things i watch (laughs) where like there was this homeless person on the side of the street 
And this person came by with a burger and was like, here, do you want this? And the, the homeless person was like, no, nah, man, I'm vegetarian. And the person was like, you homeless, you better eat what you can get, you know? Mm. And it pissed me off because I know people who are like that, yeah. who are kind of like, if you're homeless, like you need to just get, give whatever you're right. taking. And I think what made me mad is that it was kind of like, there is this mindset of you can't, you're not allowed to live ethically or morally mm-hmm. the way you want to because of your financial situation. Right. People are like, let me make decisions for you because clearly you don't have the agency here. Second thing is one of my favorite people in the entire world. He's a rabbi in Connecticut. <laughs> His um, synagogue decided to grow, use like an acre of land they had to grow fresh fruits and vegetables and wanted to work with soup kitchens, to like give these fruits and vegetables for a lot of the homeless people because obviously they typically get like canned foods and the the soup kitchens were like no we don't really take fresh fruits and vegetables because these people don't want fresh fruits and vegetables and so the rabbi was like we're gonna grow this food we're gonna give you the food if they don't want it they don't want it if they do it'll be great so they like basically used all these fresh fruits and vegetables and made like huge salads Mm -hmm. and they like just sat them there and it was the first thing to go. Like the people didn't touch anything else and like we're eating all the salad and then went to the other stuff. And he was kind of like, these people never get to eat fresh fruits and vegetables because they don't have access to it. Not because they right. don't want it. And I was right. like, see, that's such a powerful moment. It's like, yo, mm-hmm. your assumptions about these people have probably caused you to turn down this very specific mm-hmm. thing because you don't think that they want this because you want to project your own like personal ideas right. about them. Pisses me off. A lot That's of people will do yeah. what they want sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause I, I think that like if someone is in a lower status than you, you like live by this beggars can't be choosers mentality yeah. where you're just like, Oh, well you can't decide what you want mm-hmm. because you're the one begging for it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, yeah, it's, it's really interesting mentality. I don't like, like the beggars can't be choosers mentality. Yeah, I've like I've literally said that to someone once though. Mm-hmm. So well, and then I this think was like, di- I think there's a difference though when it's like, oh, you make eighty thousand dollars a year and you mm-hmm. keep begging for my slice of pizza, and when I give you the small <laughs> half, you get mad. Like that's different <laughs> than being like, like you're literally a beggar, mm-hmm. and oh, you're a vegetarian. You, so let me you better uh, eat this meat patty. You let me like uh. get your opinion. So like Sam and I were um like in the Go Coast or whatever, mm-hmm. and this guy walks up and he's like, "Oh, can I, can I like get a dollar?" So Sam gave him two, and then he's like, "Oh, can I actually get five dollars?" Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "Beggars can't be choosers." I think that's I, different. Okay. I don't. I don't see how that actually made sense in that situation. <laughs> he was begging. You can't choose the money. You can't choose the amount of money that we give you. It's like... I feel like... I feel like with money, that is very different because... Okay. So with like food, for example, like if you were to offer somebody... If they were to say, oh, I'm hungry, and you were to say, the only thing I have is a hamburger, mm-hmm. take it. And they were to say, oh, I'm vegetarian. I'm sorry, I can't take it. In that moment when you're like, beggars can't be choosers, I think what you're saying is like, I have these ideas of what you should be eating because of Mm -hmm. your state. And the other person is saying like, I have ideas of what I can do and not do because of my state. With the money situation, this sounds more of like, 
oh, can I have $2? Oh, you were going to give me $2? Can I have $5? It sounds much more like <laughs> you gave me $2 and you're the only person all day that's giving me $2. Mm-hmm. Can I get more out of you? Okay. I think that sounds more of like he's the he or she is just trying to take advantage of you. Yeah. Unless of like a better yeah. can be chooser situation. Well, I like the second I, I well, it was like kind of funny because the second I said it, he like had this look on his <laughs> face. He was like real like shocked and taken aback and surprised. But then also <laughs> like kind of knew I was right. He was just like, uh, like he like you can see his eyes that he was like, uh, she's kind of right. Can I please tell you what? This is what my a little bit of my my I don't even know what I would call it preconceived notion. I have no idea it came mm-hmm. into play, and it had to do with the amount of money. I was walking with this guy and this homeless person came up to him and was like, I need like $20 to get into this, this thing. I don't know. And it's clearly like, yo, you don't need $20 for that. Mm -hmm. But the person I was with literally took out a $20 bill and handed it to him. And I was like, for real? Like Mm -hmm. I've never walked with somebody just giving $20 bills out to homeless people. (laughs) Anyway, so we walked past and the guy was like, oh, you gave me 20? Like, I need 40 more, you mm-hmm. know? And so I turned around and looked at him and I was like, people, I was like, it's hard to get even a dollar out of people and this dude just gave you $20? Right. And you're going to sit around and ask him for like 40 I was like, $20 is a significant amount for me and I got right. a full-time job. <laughs> I got a full-time job. Like, <laughs> 60 I would have been like, that's a, that's a percentage of my rent. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, that is the one time I was like, Mm-mm. yo dude just like can't. please just count your blessings right at this point that's like that's a good amount of groceries yeah mm. if you've eaten boxes box food all right mm-hmm. so let's let's line this up and let's kind of we're let's smart our, our <laughs> next segment of uh, uh, it's called best things Ooh, we're gonna get materialistic. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. We're gonna. I'm gonna get materialistic. <laughs> we're gonna um, talk about like our favorite purchases, the best thing we listen to, the <gasps> just like just the best things in the past year. Like we just want to like you know count count our blessings. So, Misha, what are some of your best things? Cat, I literally thought this was material things that we have bought this year <laughs> wow my list is crazy terrible crazy terrible <laughs> oh cat well i'm gonna start in a very superficial way one of the best things i bought all year is my j crew coat look it's beautiful <laughs> if you want a confidence boost you get the coat that i got okay. because everybody compliments this coat <laughs> it's beautiful for those of you I sound like Donald Trump. That's how I sound right now. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. J. Crew Stadium Cloth Coat Gray. Look that up and imagine how boss I look in it when I'm walking <laughs> down the street without my backpack. <laughs> what about you, Cat? What's one thing you've gotten? Uh, okay, the best the best thing that I've purchased within the last year was a mistral cup. I'm absolutely obsessed with me. Oh, having a mistral yeah. cup. I is revolutionary. <laughs> I'm mad. I can't say period. I'm so I'm so grateful for it because like, do so I've been like an environmentalist for a while, and I feel mad guilty about like disposing all of these menstrual products, and it's just like oh, I'm just like, going through them, man. And this menstrual cup, 
I I can like use it for well they say up to ten years definitely for two to three yeah I would say two to three yeah I don't yeah I that might get kind of nasty um, after a couple of years but it's like low I have such low leakage I used to have so many leaks and I have like it's so great low to no leakage I am I'm like really helping the environment it just it makes me feel good on all fronts. Mm-hmm. You don't have to change it as much. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. How did? How could? That was the best. That's the best part. Like I honestly. So the way my my flow flows is, I only have to change it like every twelve hours. It's like it's Incredible. what was that? Was that of uh, infomercial? Said it and forget it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. And about it's it. a of a, uh, <laughs> Do you know what we should experiment with? What? Have you seen these these um new period panties? Mm, heard about them? Yeah. Where they basically can take the amount of blood of two tampons. Mm-hmm. So like, it's the base. Well, I don't think I would just free bleed into panties. Yeah. <laughs> even if they could, if even if they could take two tampons worth of blood, but. The idea stresses me out. But, like, being environmentally friendly, like, mm-hmm. using a menstrual cup, that's also one way of, if you don't want to use, like, panty liners or something, mm-hmm. if you're scared, like, using those types of underwear. There was an article that was talking about how it was probably going to revolutionary revolutionize the way women think about, like, periods and, like, mm-hmm. period products. Anyway. Thanks to look at. Nice. I'm. I'm so excited. All right. What's What's another? What's Yours was so much better things. than mine. That was so good. <laughs> One of the other things, great things that has come out of this year, is my mattress. Mm, mattresses are vital. I vital. Have never had a really good mattress. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how much of a difference having a good mattress makes yeah as soon as i got this mattress i was like oh this is what sleep is <laughs> like literally that's what it felt like every time i would lay it'd be like this is what sleep is that's what it felt like to me my sleep has gone from zero to a million it's amazing get yourself a good mattress it's almost paid off because you know i'm too poor to just be dropping money on one on a mattress one time that's my second one, Cap. <laughs> That's an actual song I wrote. It's called This Is What Sleep Like. This is what sleeps like. This is what sleeps like. That should be our theme song. This is what sleeps like. <laughs> What's your next thing, Cat? Um, so <laughs> one of the best things that I listen to actually. It was, it's pretty recent. I listened to it today, actually. And I, so, uh, Radio Lab is another podcast, and they have this one episode called Debatable. I think it's the name of the episode. And it's about this, like, these two black queer men who, like, f- just stunted on all them hoes mm-hmm. in, like, these two huge debate tournaments. Background about me I debated in high school. So, when they were, like, talking. Surprise! Oh, girl <laughs> when they were <laughs> when they were like talking about like debate lingo and i was just like oh my god yes like i haven't heard this in like seven freaking years um and i got like really excited because it definitely put me back into the mindset or of like the mindset of a you know 
14 year old Catherine mm-hmm. who, yeah, who's like just reading off this paper really fast and trying to make sure that they, I hit all the right argument or I hit all the arguments in my rebuttal. And then just like all the lingo, like affirmative and negative and like, Oh, I'll read the one AR. You'll do the two AR, which is like first affirmative rebuttal. Then second affirmative. Okay. This is not the important part. They were talking. <laughs> so I, I think that it particularly touched me because I was, I was a debater in inner city Chicago um, and most like in the debate is for white people. Mm. Like it's a world built for academic white people. Mm-hmm. So being like on a all black team and a team that was like had a really good number of queer people. Um, it was like a different world for us. And we mostly competed against other um, inner inner city mm-hmm. schools and teams, but then we would sometimes do suburban competitions where, like, the suburban kids would think that they would they were better than us and that they were gonna come and slay us and so over it. Yeah, and it's like surprise, surprise, we like will come and slay you, little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> and like, so like the whole the whole point of like this is. He introduced, he like introduced this concept into debating about, so, okay, we have to talk about stupid shit like, um, the United States introducing nuclear, uh, nuclear warfare into its military strategy. You one person argues stuff like why that's good. And one person argues why that's bad. These guys incorporated black queerness, like racism and like, sexual identity into the arguments to say that how can you expect like people to worry about what like what kind of warfare we're having when like there are black and queer people and women and all these underrepresented groups who have no voice in society whatsoever amen and it was just like I so they were I guess they were like debating around the same time that I was debating they were maybe like two years younger than me and these argue like these arguments brought so much like listening to this podcast it brought so much life to me mm-hmm. and like living through that like living through the life of like a high school debater and then to have like these two guys incorporate black queerness and human and like true the truest form of like humanity into these very political arguments was just like one, it blew my mind. Two, it's a physical, mental revolution for me. Um, and I'm just, like, excited, and I definitely recommend listening to it. Again, Radio Lab, debatable, absolutely amazing, especially if you're, like, a former debate kid like myself. Oh, I need to get more into stuff like that. <laughs> I feel like I just talked for the longest. I feel like you need you needed that because... My list is so superficial that we need some deep and richness. You know what I mean? Because you know what my next one is? What? Liquid eyeliner I just bought. (laughs) Now, you know how you was talking about how... (laughs) This app, like, mm, color, color, something. 
the the one for no like, i'm not even talking oh. talk about this debate app how oh. it just made you feel so good made you this eyeliner does the same for me okay <laughs> Let me tell you how I got this on. I walked into Ulta. I said, hey, I need some liquid liner that's not going to come off with my eyes water. And this woman said, this liner will never come off. <laughs> and I was like, wow, great. Definitely want that. I was like, let's see. Let's test it. And she put a little mark on my hand. And I took some spit. I took spit and just <laughs> did this. I scrubbed and it started coming off. And she was like, yeah, well, if you put spit on it and scrub, it will come off. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, that is a really good point. I'll take it. <laughs> this eyeliner is incredible, Kat. Look, goes on, looks sleek, does not come off. Until when I literally scrub it or put coconut oil on it. My eyes be slaying when I have this stuff on. Amen. I look good. And that means I feel good. Right. Yo. Yes. I don't even know how to pronounce the eyeliner brand. But it be looking good. <laughs> oh, it's S-T-I-L-L-A. That's all I know. That's all I can remember. I don't have photographic memory, so I don't know what it actually is. But the eyeliner has changed the game. <laughs> do you have um, another cat? No. I don't have any more. I mean, we can, we'll can. we do this segment again. Can I do one more? Okay, do one more. Because this is what I feel. I feel like I got to make myself sound deeper than I actually am. <laughs> my French press. I want my French press. Let me tell you. I first moved into my apartment. I said, I'm going to get a coffee maker. Like a, <laughs> like a working woman. <laughs> How stupid was I? Why would I think that was like, why do I need a, like a drip coffee maker? Right. Never use it. Like, this is disgusting. I need a French press, like a real person, <laughs> a real bougie person. <laughs> so I went and bought one, changed the game once again. I'd be drinking good coffee every Saturday. Yes. I get caffeinated. I put my eyeliner on. I get in my coat. And I don't listen to the debatable podcast. But I be stunting real hard. I'm going to be wearing that exact same thing that I just said and drinking that coffee when I go get my braids. Okay. You're welcome. I'm a deep individual. Just so everybody knows, even though I sound a real superficial during this best things segment. Y'all, well. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can email us at unlearnpodcast.com. Um, did I say that? Yeah. Um, no, unlearnpodcast at gmail.com. Our Ooh. website is unlearnpodcast.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, unlearned underscore shy um you can also hit us up at facebook at unlearned and you know other social media outlets so yeah just just google online podcast when you google it it does come up it does come up yeah because i google it that's how i remember (laughs) i have to google but thanks so much for listening and uh come back next time bye so yeah we have a lot more fun topics Yeah. 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 Bye. Bye. Bye.